Thanks so much, Alan. That was beautiful. We're learning right now about spiritual maturity. The image the Bible gives us to help us understand spiritual maturity is fruit. Uh, You are growing spiritually very slowly. And spiritual growth happens slower than we would like. It's like fruit that grows, but it does grow. And so we're learning about the fruit of the Spirit. We've already covered love and joy and peace and patience. Um, We're moving on to kindness and goodness. These are like twin virtues, and so we're uh, coupling them together this week and next week. We're going to learn how to grow in kindness and in goodness. We're going to learn about the kindness and goodness of God, how He is kind to you, how He is good toward us. Uh, And we're going to learn how we can... Um, show these virtues to a watching world. Next week, you need to bring people who have to hear the good news of the gospel. In particular, I'd like you to think about bringing next week somebody who would say, I'm a pretty good person. Do you know anybody in your life who would say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person? Do you, know, do you know that person? And if you ask them why they're going to go to heaven, they would say, I'm a what? I'm a good person. Okay, I'm going to pick that lie up and hurl it into the sea next Sunday. (laughs) By the end of the sermon, they are going to know that they know that they ain't a pretty good person and that good people don't get to heaven. Perfect people get to heaven. And I'm just going to let that sit out there. (laughs) Not even going to explain it. But only perfect people go to heaven Come back next week if you would like to know what I mean by that. Uh, Today we're going to talk about God's kindness and goodness, how we can show that to others. But I'm going to begin with a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'm going to read from Psalm 67. Father in heaven, we know that as we open our word today, uh, as we hear from your voice, there are believers gathering all over the world. Some in free countries, and others are gathering underground, Uh, Lord, but we know that you are with your church, and in Psalm 67, it says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. Amen. Grab your bulletin. I want you to take notes today. Grab a bulletin. Grab a pen. There's a lot of verses coming at you. You see, usually we pick one passage and we camp there. And we go verse by verse, and then we pull everything out of the text. Uh, We're doing something different this morning, all right? So if you're a visitor, if you're newer to the church, this isn't the way we usually study God's Word. But uh, what we're doing is we're tracing a theme. Uh, We're tracing a theme throughout the Old and the New Testament. So we'll go to these verses, but we're really just going to pull like the same thing out of all the different verses, God's kindness and His goodness toward us. So that's why we're going through all these verses. So you can write these verses down as they come at you, but if you try and race around the Bible following me, your fingers are going to hurt, all right? So I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt anybody in church, okay? 
Maybe hurt your feelings a little bit, but even then I'm going to bind them back up real quick, all right? So you can write these verses down, but the first point I'd like you to write down is this. Uh, God is good. God is good. There's a whole song about that. Do you know that song? It was way overplayed. God is good. How's it go? All the time. And all the time. God is good. It was like a really good thought that belonged on somebody's Facebook, and then suddenly we just kept singing it and singing it and singing it, right? And it got real old, real fast. But it is a thought to ponder because God uh, is good. Um, one author said this, God is essentially, absolutely, consummately good. And God displays his goodness uh, to those who trust him, and he rewards all who seek him. Psalm 31:19 says this, "Oh how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind." Um, God is good, but not everyone experiences that goodness in the same way. Not everyone is aware of that goodness in the same way. You see, God's goodness is stored up for those who take refuge in him. His goodness is abundant. So God is good. We know that because God created everything good. If you read through the book of Genesis, chapter 131, it says, All that he made, everything was good. He made it, and it was good. He created it, and it was, it was good. Do you remember the first thing in the Bible that was not good? What was that? The first thing in the Bible that was not good? Man was was left alone. It's still not good to leave a man alone. All right, I'm just going to tell you that. A man left all alone with nothing to do is going to do nothing but cause trouble. That was the first thing that was not good in the Bible. Adam was all alone and there was no helper for him. Not good. But God created everything good. Creation is good. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This specifically describes the plans God has for Israel, um, but the principle also applies to God's people, that his plans for you are good, plans to prosper you and to give you a future. God plans what is good. God's plans are not for evil. His will is for good. All of God's plans for your life are good. None of them are evil. None of them are bad. His plans are good. In 1 Kings 8.66, in the days of Solomon, they reflected on the life of David. And it says this, on the eighth day, uh, he, Solomon, sent the people away and they blessed the king and went to their homes joyful and glad of heart, get this, for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David, his servant, and to Israel, his people. Now this is a great verse because, first of all, David's dead. David's gone. Uh, he's, He's in the ground. His life is over. And yet, there's a reflection on his life. And the people were rejoicing because David's son Solomon was on the throne And the people were rejoicing, and it says, For all the good, all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David his servant and to Israel his people. God was good to David. Really? Do you remember David's life? 
Sure, Goliath, not a bad day. Slinging stone, down falls the giant, David cuts his head off, and he's a national sensation. Not a bad day. But if you keep reading, David comes into the employment of a psychotic king. And you might not think you have the best boss on earth, all right? Uh, but has he hurled a spear at you? Mm, probably not. Okay, probably not. David lived with a boss who would just throw a spear at him. Uh, and then David had to run away and flee the country. And he lost his wife because the king, King Saul, was just out of his mind with anger and jealousy. Then David was hunted like an animal by the army. He had to leave the country at one point. Then eventually he was made king. Things didn't get great. His son started a civil war. The nation faced a judgment by plague. Thousands of people died because of David's sin. David lost a child because of an affair he had with Bathsheba. And after all of that, a hard life, the Bible reports by saying, the people went home joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had shown to David. You see, God was good to David. David's life was hard. David, though he was a man after God's own heart, he was not good to God. Many points in his life, he veered away from God. And at the end of your life, it will be true that God has been good to you. And it will be true that you have not been good to him. God is good to us. Also, God is not stingy in sending good things into our lives. Psalm 84.11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Get this, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This is a God who is withholding no good thing from those who are walking according to his paths. Uh, I joke with one of my daughters that when she pours things, she always pours them all the way to the top. Do you have that child? The child who pours everything, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever beverage it is, it goes all the way to the top and it's even almost, you know, and then she picks it up. She's done this from when she was very young. So I started calling her an overpourer. An overpourer. Uh, and and uh, she's working on it, but she still does it. It still happens. And what I, what I like to tell her, though, is, hey, just remember, God is an overpourer. He is. He pours more into your life than you deserve. Far more. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Here's a picture of somebody who's stingy. And I think you know who that is. Who is that? Who is that? See, and sometimes when you don't get what you want when you want it, you think God is that. You think God is him. You think God is pinching pennies up there, somehow preventing you from having everything that you think you need to be happy, but that's not God. That's not God. How many of you know somebody who's an unbeliever, and they would say this? They would say, what's God ever done for me? Who's heard someone actually say those words before? What's God ever done for me? What, what, what has God ever done for me? Uh, said the man who fails to thank God for gravity as he stomps his feet. What's God ever done for me? Uh, he just kept gravity on so you could throw a tantrum. At least say thank you for that. We're so ungrateful. We are so ungrateful. 
to a God who overpours good things into our lives. His plans are good. His creation is good. He's good to us every day. Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is good. This is a powerful truth for your heart to embrace. The origin of any sin in your life, when you do anything wrong that you know you're not supposed to do, the first thing that leads to that sin is you believe that God has stopped short of taking perfect care of you. You can trace any sin, big or small, any sinful attitude, any sinful word, any sinful action back to the lie that you believe God has stopped short or will stop short of taking perfect care of you. And so you need to spring into action and make it right and take control. It's the lie that God is not good that unleashes every sinful desire in our hearts. But God has always only been perfectly good to you. Every moment of your life, God has only exclusively, fully been good. Not one second of your life has God been bad towards you. It's impossible because He is good. It's impossible for God to be anything other than perfectly good towards you. When you embrace that in your heart, you can trust His goodness. God is good. Sometimes people settle for God is sovereign or God is strong. Well, I know he's just in control and I do whatever he wants. I want, yeah, but you're not talking like he's good. Your, your theology has to show that God is strong and sovereign and good, which means perfect in love and everything that he puts into your life, perfect in care and everything he takes out of your life. He is only always perfectly good. Let that truth calm all of your fears and complaints. God is good. Number two, this is really just a, I'm giving you one sentence as a note, and I'm just continuing it. So I'm making you like wait for the rest of the sentence throughout the sermon. So God is good, dot, dot, dot. Write this down. And God is kind, dot, dot, dot. See, I'm still going to say more. I'm just not going to say it yet. Cliffhanger. And God is kind, you can check out Luke chapter 6, verse 32 for this one. If you want to turn there, you can. We're going to camp there for a little while, uh, and it won't be on the screen. So Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Uh, here we have Jesus talking, about, um, Jesus talking about the way of life that honors God. And he says in Luke 6, verse 32, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil." Be merciful as your Father is merciful. We're going to actually look at the 
the uh, last part of that section first, and we'll go back and look at the first part. Um, but it says that uh, the Most High, He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. God is kind to the ungrateful. God is kind to the wicked. God is good to those who are bad. He's not just good to good people. God is good to bad people. You know bad people. They're all around you. Uh, God is good to bad people. When you struggle with someone who seems to be doing well in life, when they're doing such bad things, just remind yourself, God is good to bad people. God is kind to evil people. He's not just kind to kind people. God is kind to evil people, meaning he does things for them, uh, meaning he gives things to them, uh, meaning he doesn't give certain things to them, like consequences right away. God is kind uh, to evil people, and he is merciful. That word is an awesome word. Mercy means to meet someone in their misery so that you lead them out gently. Uh, mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. See, grace is when you get something you haven't earned. Awesome word. Mercy is a little different. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And God is merciful. Uh, God is merciful, meaning he doesn't give sinners what they do deserve. He's a merciful God. This is all his kindness. He gives compassionate, thoughtful, caring treatment to bad, guilty people who deserve far worse from him. That is our God. And he wants us to be like him. He wants us to imitate him. He wants us to do the same. God is kind. I like the description of this kindness in Philippians 4.14. Um, the Apostle Paul says this in the ESV version of the Bible, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. It was kind of you to share my trouble. There's a lot of words in the Greek that make up this family of words um, that we're looking at today, good and kind, but there's not only several words that describe this, there's also images that describe what it is like to be this way. Um, so this actually represents a different word than the one that we're looking at in the fruit of the Spirit, but the concept is the same because it's a it's like a constellation of words that make up the same image of a kind God. It was kind of you to do what? To share my trouble. We like to share things sometimes, right? You ever go and you ask somebody to share their fries? Hey, hey, will you share your fries? That's actually a trick, you see, because the person didn't order fries because they want the satisfaction of knowing that they're eating healthy. But then they sit down and they want the satisfaction of enjoying the fries anyway. So they feel good about themselves because they didn't order it, and they put you on the spot and make you share fries with them. So I never share my fries with anyone. <laughs> you want to eat fries, you need to do the walk of shame and go order them yourself. <laughs> All right. Now you know. Don't be surprised if we're out to eat and you reach over and I slap your hand. <laughs> I like what the Apostle Paul says here. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. We don't like to share trouble. Hey, can I share some of my trouble with you? No. I've got my own problems. And yet kindness 
is sharing someone else's trouble with them. Right? What do we want to do when someone gets in a mess that they made? We want to be like, you should have known better. Read your Bible. Bam. Right? We don't want to share in their trouble. And yet God shares in our trouble. And it's kind to share in someone's trouble. That's what a merciful God does. Titus 3, verses 4 to 5. Uh, I'll be preaching on this passage next week. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Jesus coming into the world was God being kind. God sharing in our suffering. And if God is so kind to us, we should be kind to others. Do you reflect on your life and understand just how kind God has been to you? Do you know that you deserve far worse in this life than you've been given? Do you know that? Do you know you are not sitting in the full consequences of your choices, especially from when you were young, maybe going through college? Do you know that God did not pour out all the just consequences into your heart right away? He could have. He could have. He let you get away with some things. Like nobody even caught you. He let you uh, get off the hook. He, he let some things go on in your life and, and the punishment that came for those things was less severe than you deserved. Not only that, but he put some things in your life. When you were so ungrateful to him, he put some things into your life. He gave you things in this world. He filled your family with certain things that you didn't deserve. Do you reflect on just how kind God has been toward you? How he gave you blessings when your life cursed him to his face? Do you worship God for his kindness toward you? He's a kind God. He's a good God. He's only kind and he's only good. When you know that that's true, number three, I'll finish the sentence, God is good and God is kind, so be good and kind to all. We're going to camp on this one for a little bit here. Be good and kind to all. See, I just told you why to be good and to be kind, and it's because God is good and kind. Now I'm going to show you how. How can we be good? How can we be kind? This idea of, of learning how to be good is filled, uh, fills the Bible. In, in the very beginning, what was it that we were warned about? What, what was it that, that we were told about, right? Adam and Eve, what were they told about? Hey, don't, don't go and eat of the tree of what? of good and evil, right? Good and evil. There's, there's a very binary understanding of righteousness in the Bible. There's good and there's evil. Sometimes the Bible simplifies things pretty easily. There's only two places you'll spend eternity, heaven or hell. There's only two roads you can be walking, the wide road or the narrow road. There's only two uh, types of animals that our, people are likened to in the final judgment, sheep and goats, and you're one or the other. Um, and you might say, well, morality is a lot more complicated than that. I mean, there's so many ways you could, yeah, but it, it comes down to either you're in a good place with God or you're in a bad place with God. That's it. It's reassuring to simplify things. Be good. And we were not supposed to know evil. We were supposed to know good. But after sin, we knew good and evil. Christians are supposed to now learn 
good. Romans 2.12. We are supposed to cling to what is good. Romans 12.9. We're supposed to do what is good. Romans 13.3. We're supposed to follow good rather than revenge. 1 Thessalonians 5.15. We are supposed to be zealous for good. Titus 2.14. We're supposed to imitate good. 3 John 11. We're supposed to overcome evil with good. Romans 12.21. And maybe the hardest of all, Galatians 6.10. We are to do good to all. All. If, if you're not doing good to all, God is growing you in this area. So how can we be good and kind to all? We'll look back at Luke 6, 32, where it says this, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Here's the deal we make with most people. You love me, I love me. What a coincidence. Let's love me together. I'll be kind to you. And then when the person stops loving me, guess what happens? Oh, you don't love me anymore. Well, then I don't love you. It's a very selfish way that we uh, show goodness and kindness to others. As long as there's a kickback, we'll be kind. But uh, kindness with a kickback is not biblical kindness. If you're kind to someone, as long as there's a kickback for you, something in it for you, that's not biblical kindness. We have to love those who don't love us. It says even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? So there's kind of this disposition, this like, I feel loving toward you, this internal state, but there's also what I'm doing. So kindness that's just this inner feeling, like, well, I'm fine with her. Not enough. Not enough. Sometimes you act like you're fine with someone, but you're not, right? And you don't you don't ever do anything to show that person that you care about them because, because I'm just fine with that person. Check this out. I thought this cake was really funny. Uh, it says this, I tolerate you. <laughs> Big heart. And I think that's the way sometimes we get ourselves off the hook from truly being kind to someone. We just give them an I tolerate you. And then we think we're done because there's like this okay inner disposition toward a person we're not doing anything to actually be kind, and that's not good enough. That's what the Bible is showing us. It's not good enough to just feel fine towards people. We actually have to show kindness, which implies action. Um, it says, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, as your heavenly Father is merciful. Jot this down. Be good to all, especially those who are bad to you. Be good to all, especially those who are bad to you. Third John 11 um, tells us to imitate what is good, not what is evil. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. This is a 
It's a big moment if you have someone in your life who's just making it hard for you, someone who is showing you no grace. Uh, this is a huge moment for you to understand God's will for your life. Be good to them. You see, and that's a catch-all term. It's a catch-all term and there's really no loopholes, right? Because I didn't say be civil. I didn't say, I said be good to them. Uh, if you don't love your enemies, you become your enemies. You will treat them the way they treat you, which means they're becoming your role model. Next time you feel like not loving your enemy, just pick up the phone and call your enemy, okay? And say, enemy, I just want you to know you're my inspiration. I've been watching you and learning a lot, and I'm now going to become you. I'm going to treat you the same way you treated me because you've really moved me and shaped my heart. I'm going to talk to you the same way you talk to me because I've just been so impacted by the way you live your life. So thank you so much for showing me how to live. Goodbye. Just call them and tell them. They're your inspiration. Because if you don't love your enemy, you become your enemy. Be good to those, especially those who are bad to you. Now, I know there's a lot of questions that come up from that. Well, well what about special cases? There are. I mean, uh, what, about, what about a physically abusive husband, right, who takes advantage of somebody who's being too patient with them? What about somebody who's stealing money from a business and wants to get away with it? All right? There are exceptions to the rule the rule is, be good to all. The exceptions require careful wisdom. But, listen, you might have a list of people who are hard to love. You might have a list of people who are nearly impossible to love. But if you have a list of people you refuse to love, you need to tear it up right now. You're not allowed to have that list. You're not allowed to have a list of people you refuse to love. As a Christian, that needs to be torn up. Be honest with the Lord. Lord, it's hard to love this person, nearly impossible to love this person. But the moment you say you refuse to love anyone, you are not being a child of the Most High. You're not being a son or daughter of God. And God will not accept that list. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us how we're to walk in this world. We don't have it projected, but it says this, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We're supposed to fill our world with the love of Christ. and We can't do it if we keep building this list up of people who don't deserve my love. That list is just going to get bigger and bigger. Jot this down, second sub-point here, be good to all, especially those who are bad to you. Jot this down, build close relationships in the church. If you want to fill your world with the love of Christ, it starts when you fill your heart with the love of Christ, then your home with the love of Christ, then your church with the love of Christ, then it spills over into your workplace. But you have to learn, we have to learn, how to fill our church with the love of Christ. Are you building close relationships in the church? 1 Thessalonians 2, 7-8 gives a great description of what it should feel like in the church. Uh, it says this, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. 
this is not just family. This is like mother with child, like a nursing mother with a really young child. This is the love that is supposed to be felt um, among the family of God. I love that thought of a mom caring for her children. I've got a picture here of a mom who's rocking it. She's doing a really great job with her kids. She's out all six. Can we go for a bike ride? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all aboard. Off she goes. I found some vintage pictures of moms from yesteryear being awesome moms too. Check it out. That's what that used to look like. There's mom taking her little one out for a bike ride. Here's another picture of a mom taking her daughter for a walk along the top of a cliff. They probably still sell that product on Amazon today. Here's another picture of a mom just being awesome, having a little tea party with her girl. Another picture here, uh, wearing the same bathing suit as her little girl. Mom, matching bathing suit. And there was a flood, and mom still got her kids to school in this picture. Get in the boat. Where are we going? School. It's not a flood day. There's no such thing yet. Get in the boat. I think that's the last one. Do we have one more? Moms being awesome throughout yesteryear. Now, now take all of that, and that should be uh, your relationship with those in this room, you see. And we don't show up to a church and instantly feel that way. We begin anonymous. Nobody knows us. We don't know anybody. Then we make the choice to be friendly, where we'll actually... I, I know that you're at the point where you no longer are anonymous, but you're being friendly when you stay for cookies and coffee at the end of the service. You go into the gym and you actually want to talk to somebody. It's a big risk. You know, you don't know if the people around you are, here are weird or what, and some of them are. But <laughs> you just get your cookie and your coffee and you find a non-weird individual and you have a good conversation with them. And that's a big barrier to cross. Then we invite people to come to what we call step one. It's a party with our pastors. And when you come to step one, we've got balloons and we've got, you know, we've got good food and we share our story. And when people come to step one, they finally feel like they're getting to know the leaders, right? And then people know their name. And then we invite people to come to step two, where they sit down and they actually hear our doctrine and how to get plugged in. And by the end of that, they've got a really good understanding of what kind of a church this is. But ultimately, I know when people are fully connected to this church when they get into a small group. Because it's in the small groups, the home groups that meet throughout the week, where you get to know 10, 12, 15 people, uh, and, and that's our plan to care for you. Our plan to care for you is you get to know a small group of people who uh, hear your story, they know when you're in the hospital, they know when you've got a prayer request, they see when you're not in church, and getting into a small group is the way to say, I want this to feel like a family, uh, I want this church to know who I am. If you don't, if you look around the room here and you can't tell me that you know what some of these people are going through. If you don't know what some of these people are going through, how can you care? And how can you help? You can't. So when you get into a small group, you know what a few people are going through. You care about that and you help. And that is how you put the Bible into practice. But God wants you to be good and kind to all. And yeah, it's nice that you roll down your window and throw a little change you know, out to somebody who needs a little help. That's nice. But your kindness should start right here right here. It's not anonymous to strangers, it's to people who are in the family of faith. We're going to be together forever, and that's a long time. And, and that heavenly affection we have for each other starts now, and it starts in your church family. Build close relationships in the church. Let me just challenge you, if you're moving through that process slowly, just take the next step. 
come to step one or two or get into a small group and then you'll be able to build close relationships. That's how you will be good and kind to the family of faith. Next, correct difficult and sinful people carefully. Be good to all, especially those who are bad to you. Build close relationships in the church. Correct difficult and sinful people carefully. When it comes to getting closer and closer to folks in the church, you're going to run into some people who are in a rough place with the Lord, right? And uh, there, there are many problems in every church. And you might feel fed up and say to yourself, that's not what I got in, wanted to involve myself in. But hey, that's why we fellowship with each other. 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26 says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare by him to do his will. This is a loving process where what you're saying is, I'm going to get into a small group, not just for the brownies, not just for the chips and salsa. You know, I'm going to get into a small group and I'm going to actually hear about some real struggles people have. And then I'm going to be gentle and help that person find a place of strength and victory. This is what God has for us. And we see here that kindness and goodness does not at all mean you become a pushover and you enable somebody's sin. The opposite of that is true. You're not doing anybody a favor when you high-five their sin. That's not a loving Christian fellowship. Maybe you were a part of a church where sin just got swept under the rug and no one was confronted on anything. That's not a loving church. Certainly not loving the righteousness that comes from God. Love challenges people to grow. And being good and kind doesn't mean tolerating evil. Check out Romans 12.9. We'll put that up on the screen. It says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. That's like, a, that's like a sandwich there. Like it starts with love and then there's abhor what is evil and then there's like the bottom bun which is hold fast to what is good. Um, but some people only love what is genuine and they don't abhor what is evil. Some people only abhor what is evil and they don't love in a genuine fashion. It's both. If we're going to be kind and good to all, we have to hate what is evil. Um, we can get confused when we... Support and love what is not good. That's what our world is doing right now. We're calling good evil and evil good. That's what's happening in our country. And that's not love. That's not the way the Bible describes it. Correct difficult and sinful people carefully. And then the last point here, which is so important, and maybe this is what God brought you to hear today. Maybe this is what God wants you to walk away with. Maybe this is what your heart needs. But write this down. Don't grow weary in doing good. You will feel like quitting when you are being good and kind and patient and loving again and again, today and tomorrow, and it's not reciprocated. You're going to feel like quitting. You're going to say, that's it. And, and you're going to feel like the, the uh, time of your kindness has expired. And when you conclude you have been kind enough to someone, then you will cut them off and put them on the naughty list, which we're supposed to tear up. Be careful. God wants us to not grow weary in doing good. Galatians 6, 9 says that very thing. We Let us not grow weary of doing good. Why? For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's a reward waiting for those who don't give up. 
And maybe you feel like quitting. This could be you right now. Maybe you feel like quitting on your family. Maybe you feel like quitting on your marriage. Maybe you feel like quitting on your coworkers and you just feel like it's been too long. You've tried too hard and you're not seeing it yet. Hey, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Just keep honoring the Lord. You will be rewarded, but you can't give up. Last year, Pastor Mark and I decided we were going to run a marathon. Two years ago, we ran a half marathon, and we said, should we do a full? And then we said, well, it's going to take a lot of training. It's going to be really hard, but, but let's run a marathon. And so on the morning of the Chicago Marathon, we were walking to the starting line, and I said, Mark, this is a huge mistake. <laughs> and he looked over me, and he said, yeah, but it's a mistake we've been training for for the last nine months. <laughs> I said, you're right. And we started running, and uh, within the first six miles, my hamstrings locked down. I mean, locked up. And it hadn't happened in training. It's the craziest. I mean, locked up. They felt like they turned into concrete cinder blocks by mile six. I pulled over. I was sitting on the side of the curb trying to, I didn't know what to do. I was like Googling hamstring <laughs> injury marathon. People are just running past me. I'm like, eh, do I stretch them or do I not stretch them or whatever? And I, and I was thinking, I can't run like this. I mean, I've, I can't do this. The pain is just running all the way through my hamstrings down into my calf. But I got back up and I kept running and I just really slowed down a lot. And, and I just kept going and then I felt a little better, right? And then I tried to pick things back up and then whoo, lightning. I mean, down to my toes. I had to pull over again and sit down, right? And then I'm Googling again. What do I do about calf pain? People are just running right past me. And so I got back up and I kept running. We've got pictures here uh, of, of me. That's me going by. Yeah. <laughs> You see how happy I was early on? I look like I'm conquering the world. Here's another picture. Then we got utterly exhausted and just weary. There's Mark at, uh, approaching the finish line. Isn't that cool? Uh, check out this next picture. Um, there's me at the end. I ran through the finish line, and they gave me a medal. Now, I need you to know something. The last few miles of a marathon, almost no one is running. And if you line up the last few miles of a marathon, it looks like you're watching a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Early on in the marathon, people are coming out giving you bananas and drinks. By the end, people feel like they're about to watch someone die. So whatever they have on them, they just hold out whatever, hot dog, whatever. And, and people got bit on the hand because these runners, ah, they took the food, right? There is no one running. There's just like this. And then finally, they turn the final bend, and they see the finish line. And then they're like, I can do this. And then they put on their smiley face, right? And <laughs> run across that. But if you run the marathon, you know the true thing, that you feel like giving up and quitting. And I just want to challenge you. I brought, I brought my medal because I want you to see it. I just want you to know that um, even, even if you feel like quitting... Even if, like me, you're, you're walk-running faith right now, you're, you're walk-running and you look like a zombie just trying to go through the next day, hey, God is saying this to you. God is saying this. God is saying, in due season, 
Soon. Soon, if you do not give up. If you do not give up. I've got this for you. Keep going. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this encouraging word today. You are so kind. You are so good. You are so merciful toward those who are undeserving. Our eyes are on you. We are not like you, but we're learning. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to run with endurance the race that is marked out for us. Father, help us to be good in our homes, in our church, at work. Help us to be good to others. Help us to be kind, to actually meet the needs of other people. Help us to turn away from selfishness, to actually love others. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that you have been only always perfectly good. Remind us that you have been kind to us throughout our lives. And we will benefit from your love for eternity. Because of that, help us to be sons of the Most High. Help us to imitate you. We pray that we would be lights in this world. We can't do it without you. So we ask for the strength. In Jesus' name, amen.